0: Potato da Wow! pa potato 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 Welcome
1: to Brothers in Who, a spinoff podcast of Married to Who, where myself, Jake, and my brother Alex talk about classic Who in whatever order we choose. Right now, we're going through all of the Dalek stories, and we are on Destiny of the Daleks, written by Terry Nation, directed by Ken Grieve, aired September 1st through the 22nd, 1979.
0: Alex. Yo. Oh, what'd you think of this one? good i i enjoyed it a lot and i may be becoming a um uh tom baker fan because he's just good did you enjoy this uh awesome hot robot on robot action
1: (laughs) uh yeah i had a good time this isn't my first time seeing it um i really you know i love Let's just get into it. I'll just say I liked it. Episode one, uh, you know me, I love like TARDIS scenes to start off any story. I want like as long as possible, Doctor and companion in the TARDIS scene before we actually get started. Yeah, And we had a pretty good one here. Uh,
0: it was, uh, I, I it did the thing that I always like where it's just like, where the hell are we? What the hell's going on? And it was just a mystery for like the first episode and a half trying to figure out what is actually going on and why they're there. And I just love that shit. Like, that's that's my jam.
1: Yeah, and we've referenced it in uh, Married to Who pretty regularly, the scene where Romana is, like, choosing her regeneration.
0: Yeah, we finally get to see it, right? I, we did. You did? You've seen it. I finally get to see it. Um, with that scene, did they actually... Like, attempt to try and mimic the doctor's outfit, but, like, it was just pink and white scarf?
1: Yeah, she's doing the doctor's outfit.
0: Okay, I didn't know, because, like, she she actually came out with the doctor's outfit and then went back and then just had almost the same thing, but slightly different. Like, lady style, I guess. <laughs> this is just, like, a one-off, but
1: it's fucking awesome. Like, you could totally see that being Jodie Whittaker's costume or any doctor yeah. besides you know if tom baker had already done the exact same costume i was just like it's a really cool costume
0: yeah it was it was just cool like the more even in like the last episode i was noticing things and i was like oh shit that's really cool detail that they kind of you know mirrored the doctor a little bit on and it i don't know it's just neat did it confuse
1: you a little bit that they were talking about astra while she was going through this regeneration
0: another time lord i i guess i didn't catch that line well it was um
1: during their, the previous story, The Armageddon Factor, Astra was, like, the female lead of the story, played by Lala Ward, and then when they needed to recast Romana, they are like, well, we like Lala Ward, why don't we just have her do it? So then, when she comes out looking like the lady who was in the last story, then the Doctor has to be like, why are Why are you looking like that? And she's like, well, we're never going to go there again, why not?
0: Uh yeah, I, I guess I was picking up. So she was dressed in that white dress, right? Is that when that line came out?
1: I can't remember exactly what she was wearing the very first time she came out.
0: Because I, I had thought it was just a like a like she had just took her clothing oh, flat, not her actual like face.
1: Oh no, I think yeah, I think that was like her royal robes because she was like a queen or a princess or something. Okay. Um, but we've talked about it before in Marrieds, why this scene is so much fun. One of the reasons is there's a short story called The Lying Old Witch in the Wardrobe, where when Ramana goes back into that room to regenerate, the TARDIS manifests itself as Araj, a shape-shifting wardrobe mistress. <laughs> Apparently that's a job, someone who just hangs out in the wardrobe and helps you get changed. Oh, awesome. And uh, so Araj freezes Ramana in place and then takes the form of Astra herself and then goes on this entire story with the doctor and then comes back and is like ah doctor didn't really give a shit that i look like that girl from before so i'll unfreeze you and then when she's unfrozen romana looks at herself in is shock to realize that she too has now taken the form of astra
0: <laughs> that's that's some crazy crazy story stuff there
1: <laughs> yeah people uh People do a lot of drugs and then write Doctor Who stories. (laughs) Uh, So I asked you a couple days ago um, how if you'd started watching this yet and you'd seen the first two episodes and you said they were awesome. And then about five minutes ago, when I asked you what you thought of the story, you said it was good. So let's let's focus a little bit just on the first two, since it seems to be something you enjoyed a little more.
0: well I, again i think it's just because of that mystery and like oh what's going on what's happening and then there's just like these this but we didn't know there were robots at the time but it was just like an alien group of just good looking people <laughs> the mavellins
1: yeah the, yeah, the fuckbots so uh, that's a, it's my one of my notes as soon as we see them is just the mavellins the daleks are always at war with sexy people
0: right yeah we
1: got the thals we got the mavellins daleks just hate hot people there's ugly people running free all around the galaxy daleks don't give a shit
0: (laughs) oh yeah
1: do you know the one other time you have seen the mavellins classic or new new peter capaldi oh i cannot think of it so in the pilot bill potts first story when they're being chased by a water lady with a star in her eye, the, the pilot, they uh, the doctor says, oh, I'm going to take her to like the most dangerous place in the universe or the hottest fires in the universe or something like that. And they go to this war, the dalek Movellan war, and they're like running around in a spaceship and we briefly see like the back of some Movellans as they're fighting Daleks.
0: So when you say the pilot, is that the name of the the episode? It's the name of the episode. It's also the name of the water lady. Yeah, I don't remember that. That seems insane. (laughs) You don't remember Bill Bot's first episode at all? Only one I remember of Bill is the creepy house episode. (laughs) Really? Uh, That is the one that just sticks out for Bill.
1: Well, we will be there soon with the marrieds and we'll be able to go through it all again together.
0: All right. I'm I'm in.
1: (laughs) So getting to that. Let's just talk about that first episode. I'm trying to imagine when watching these, like, being a child or a teenager watching this show in the late 70s. And it's just a 25-minute episode on a Saturday night. Super stoked. Like, this is totally the kind of show I would have been into. I mean, I am now, and I'm 40. But uh, in this first 25 minutes, like, there's some fun banter between the Doctor and Romana. And then the very end, a Dalek breaks through some fake glass, but everything in between is really just walking around and looking at rocks.
0: I, I thought the line "Oh, look, rocks" was perfect, just because that's literally. <laughs> all it.
1: Yeah, Tom Baker has a lot of really good lines in this one.
0: Um, but yeah, that uh, so just them going around and then seeing the uh, like the burial thing. I was thinking that there were going to be some, I don't know, like brain parasite stuff going on. Like it, those people were acting real weird for like a funeral.
1: <laughs> well, they're slaves. They're <laughs> fucking just destitute.
0: Yeah, yeah, I suppose they're they're also like all rocked up. And then the, the one guy that was chasing Romana, like just like he could speak. He, he could speak the whole time, but he just didn't say anything. He just kept chasing her.
1: Is weird. <laughs> well, he didn't know what she was like. He's checking it out. He's being cautious
0: now when she's like backing up and falls down the thing. Like he could have said, stop, please don't don't go back there.
1: <laughs> I guess there's a giant hole behind you, lady. Right. Yeah. That man, we've brought him up very recently when we did our under the lake before the flood podcast, because this is Tim Barlow, who was tissing. Tyson? I think mean, it's Tyson. <laughs> um, he was deaf, but could lip-read. And so we mentioned him in Under the Lake Before the Flood as the only other deaf actor in the history of Doctor Who. After we had... That guy yeah.
0: Holy shit. He I fact... would not have given that. Right? He, in fact, ran a school for deaf actors. Amazing. He's so good. Wow. I'm, like, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> See,
1: besides... That, the only other notable part of episode one I wanted to bring up, is when the Doctor's trapped in, under that pillar, he just pulls a book out of his pocket and starts reading.
0: That was pretty good. I, I enjoyed that.
1: <laughs> now, the reason this episode might be a little more funny than some of the other Terry Nation episodes we've watched is, according to the director, Ken Grieve, who gets like his whole his own documentary on the DVD... Right. This is his only Doctor Who episode he does, or story. Uh, he says that this was pretty much like 98% written by Douglas Adams, who was the script editor at the time. Now, do you know who Douglas
0: Adams is? Uh, is he part of the Adams family? I'll I'll, sh- I'll show myself out.
1: No need. I've already canceled the podcast. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> have you ever heard of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy?
0: I have heard of it. I haven't seen or read it. Well, he wrote it
1: and created it. And I believe it started as a radio show, which he then turned into books and then a TV show and then a movie. And uh, he passed in 2001, but he was a very good science fiction writer. But also, like, the stuff that he wrote, besides being, like, good science fiction, was also had like a very specific kind of humor that people people could hear or read something and just be like, oh that's Douglas Adams, because he's bonkers and <laughs> just looked like a
0: super weird dude. That's pretty cool. So is that have to do with the book that the doctor pulled out? Because I'm I paused it to make sure I could see the title and I thought it was great.
1: No, I don't know if that book was real because I I wanna say it would have been a part of the future from 1979. Hmm. So I don't, well, know, I don't know if that book is real. I didn't look it up.
0: It was titled Origins of the Universe. Yeah. And the first thing, oh, I got it wrong on the first line. Like, <laughs> just that shit was hilarious.
1: Okay, episode two. Let's see. The Dalek Death Ray looks a little different this time.
0: Uh, Yeah what um Do they do they change that often like is that a thing that they try to do or do they just forget what it was like
1: <laughs> no everything always changes but like the the death effect i should say instead of like the entire screen going negative it's just like an area around the person that gets shot
0: well i guess i didn't take notice of that i was just mentioning like the uh the sound the sound was different for sure oh i didn't notice that uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right well episode two
1: not a lot going on they talk to the vellans they go back into the hole they find you know ramana faked her death and escaped from the daleks and then uh actually i really like that part that Romana just pretends to be dead and they're like well go bury her and then she just gets up she's like oh we learned how to stop our hearts in school <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was kind of neat. They're just like, is that Time Lord training or like soldier
1: training? Well, one thing, so you haven't seen any of Romana 1 yet, um, played by Mary Tam, who's amazing, but much more like Regal and kind of like, I I don't, I want to, I think Regal is the only word I want to say. (laughs) She's much more Regal than Romana 2. Not to say that Romana 2 is like, like a hobbit or something <laughs> like she's she's just like this big imposing strong woman who's constantly looking down on the doctor for being like a dropout and like a derelict who ran away uh, and so she's like oh you wouldn't know this if you bothered fucking sticking around and like finishing school and stuff like that and she's like just always putting him down for being dumb <laughs> or not dumb but just unknowledgeable
0: saying I did not get that from this episode. Like I was thinking of right. like a playful, like super cool, super smart um time lady and Right. You know, well their just neat. their
1: relationship obviously does soften over time. It's just that's kind of how it starts. And so she does a lot of references to what she learned at school just kind of over time. Cool. So at the end of episode two, we see they were looking for Davros. That's why they're here. We already knew that because we know that Davros is in every story from here on out.
0: <laughs> I I still enjoyed seeing him.
1: <laughs> I was like, oh, Davros. Well, and then, like, he twitches his finger, and then that's the big cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So it's like the only thing to bring him out of it was to, like, open the door <laughs> or just be standing near him.
0: Maybe he sensed the... Daleks close, and there was like subroutines in his chair that, like, booted him up. I don't know. that's <laughs> stretching, but I
1: well, then we get into episode three. Davros is fine. He's just up and about. But my favorite part is the doctor and Tyson taking turns, just running full speed, pushing Davros around corridors. <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to say the whole thing between uh, the doctor and Davros uh, just being like alone and doing like yeah. the whole solo talk <laughs> thing.
1: That, that is my first note that just like we talked about it. We just did with uh, Married to Who, the Magician's Apprentice and the Witch is Familiar. And then you and I just did Genesis of the Daleks. And so my first note is, Scenes with just the doctor and Davros are still awesome, even though it's a different actor playing Davros. It's still the best part of any Dr. Davros story. There's a scene where the doctor has Davros and he has like a bomb and he's going to drop it down Davros's shorts if the Daleks don't leave. And the Daleks just start shooting slaves. And it turns out oh, yeah. that the number of slaves you need to kill before the doctor will do what you say is two. <laughs> like, one wasn't <laughs> enough. He's like, you know what? I bet they're still bluffing. <laughs> and then they kill another oh. one, and they're just about to shoot a third. He's like, fine.
0: Yeah, that was a uh, that was interesting. I did not see that coming from the Daleks, because, you know, I, I guess they have slaves, and they know the doctor's soft for... Innocent life. But that was crazy.
1: Uh the rest of that episode is um <laughs> my next favorite part. Davros is giving this big speech to the Daleks. It's like you guys have been in this war with the mavelins for so long. You fucking suck. Like I'm gonna bring greatness to the Daleks. We're gonna destroy the Mavellans and then the universe. And then he just takes off down the hallway and bumps into the wall like three times. He's just, (laughs) he's just flying, but he's just smashing into everything.
0: (laughs) So do they have like a, like a robotic wheel in there at this point? Or is it still like wheeling Uh, with his feet?
1: I have no idea what they're doing, but it was (laughs) like, maybe it was just really slippery in there and they couldn't get purchase or (laughs) because he was going real fast.
0: Uh, I had a note where the Movellons were shown as being robots Um, but the way the way the doctor found that out was just ripping the shirt open of the female obviously female one and be like well if it's not a robot I'm just assaulting this lady yeah.
1: it's either a robot or I'm gonna get to, to see some titties <laughs> so either way this is a win win for old Tommy B.
0: It, I, I don't know it, that was just weird to me
1: it was really weird uh, so at that point, what did you think? This is the big reveal and like the cliffhanger of episode three is that the Mavellans are actually robots. Did you see that coming, or was this a surprise yeah. for you?
0: That was that was super, just kind of out of left feels Like, oh shit, this is crazy. And then when they started getting into why the Mavellans are actually there versus the Daleks, it, how it's just a whole like AI stalemate chess match like no one wants to move that ah oh, that shit was so good
1: <laughs> and it gives us an episode four the most riveting television of all time the doctor and romana playing paper rock scissors for i'm going to say 45 minutes <laughs> of on-screen time
0: <laughs> yes that was really good
1: <laughs> and like can you just play do you have to say like paper covers rock rock dulls scissors or whatever the hell he says like can you just do it do you have to say it every time
0: well and then they were also like putting in like covert like communication like i what was the point of that i don't get it you mean story-wise yeah like they would be like paper covers rock all right i'm gonna go for the door (laughs) rock
1: smashes (laughs) the Mavellans were forcing them to play because they were studying them because the doctor kept beating them and they couldn't figure out why it was because he was illogical and would just pick random things. So they were forcing them to keep playing the game. So they're like, okay, we can't just do this for the rest of our lives. We're going to die. So they're like in between just like whispering very loudly things to each other.
0: Well, and that's kind of the part is like, so if they're being studied, like someone's watching them and listening to them, like what? (laughs) Clearly the
1: Mavellans are dumb. Paper, rock, scissors blew their mind. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Although what other, what other game could you just come out of the blue to like showcase your point of two AI not being able to attack each other? Like paper, rock, scissors is pretty genius.
1: Yeah. But what's that movie where like they, the person plays chess against death and then it's like, parodied in bill and ted's bogus journey they do something like that like chess or something that involves strategy
0: is that move with uh uh it's i'm not gonna say the wrong person is it mark maron the uh the honey ash the kids guy
1: <laughs> mark Marin?
0: no it who's is neither mark, mark maron?
1: maron nor is mark Maron the honey i Shrunk the kids guy
0: who's mark maron
1: uh he's a podcaster <laughs>
0: Shit, no, Mark Baron is the uh, is in Glow. All right, yeah. Never mind. Uh, whoever that guy is, the guy I mean, Rick Moranis. Yes, Rick Moran is that the one where like he's running from death? Like, does he play chess with him? Is what the one where they run from death? The the movie you were talking about where they play chess with death?
1: No, I'm talking about the Seventh Seal. Which is from 1957.
0: <laughs> what? How do you find like old shit like this?
1: I live in the world, man. Things are referenced by other things. So it makes you know what those things are. Oh boy. And I've been on uh, this last week. I watched two movies from the 30s because I've been on a journey to watch all of the all of the movies that won best supporting actress at the oscars because it would just make me watch a whole bunch of weird random movies and so i That's watched awesome. anthony adverse and in old chicago i tried doing this a few years ago but even like four years ago these movies were super hard to find and like you couldn't buy them or rent them or stream them or anything and then now they're all like 2.99 on amazon <laughs> That's but really cool. I just watched In Old Chicago, and besides like a lot of really weird uh gender politics, it's a really good movie. And yeah. like huge. Like they recreate the Chicago the Great Chicago Fire, and it's fucking gigantic, like these sets that they build and how many extras they have and like really setting fires, it's fucking bonkers. For a movie from eighty years ago. Oh. Episode four, kind of a letdown. It's uh turns out Really easy to take out a Mavellan because they wear the power cord on the outside of their body.
0: Right, that was man. I, so when I first saw them, I was like, "Oh man, they're like Jedi. They got lightsabers and shit." No, it was it was a battery, <laughs> and like
1: a human or a humanoid. Because one thing I really do like about all the slaves is that they were a bunch of different species and. In the TARDIS wiki, you could see, like, a whole bunch of costumes from previous stories are reused, or at least parts of them. Anyway, uh, any random person could fight with a Mavellon for, like, a little while before they're overpowered. And then that would give someone an opportunity to just come and yank their thing. Mm -hmm. It's not like they could just grab you and throw you 100 feet like a robot in a different kind of movie. But then the other half of what's going on is just the doctor with Davros and one Dalek. And he throws his hat on the eye stock and then just kind of runs in circles like five times. And it's like, well, did it again, Doc. <laughs> you used your super smarts and saved the day.
0: I did write down LOL malfunction Dalek fight. Like, <laughs> what?
1: And they just hit the Daleks go explode button a little bit before they wanted you to. And you win. There's a fun shot. I didn't notice it when we were watching. But uh, the director in his little vignette on the DVD saying that because all those Daleks that explode, they're on the sand or like in the dirt in this quarry. Believe it or not, they shot at a quarry. (laughs) And uh, I do believe they He's like, if you freeze frame it and then they showed like a picture from production, like they weren't the regular wheelie Daleks. Like you could see the actor's feet because they had to just run around <laughs> because they're on dirt. And he said, if you freeze frame certain parts, you can see the feet underneath the Daleks.
0: Yes, I didn't notice it either, but that's, that's interesting. That's a fun fact.
1: Romana kicks some of villain's arm off and they blow up a lot of Daleks. <laughs>
0: yeah, I wrote down kicks arm off. <laughs> like
1: <laughs> thing. That's the best way to win a fight. Like, Oh man, this guy's really overpowered me. You know what? If you didn't have arms, I bet I'd be doing a little better.
0: Let's even the score a little <laughs> bit. Power kick. <laughs> Man, if that was the, uh what was it? The Pertwee third doctor. Oh yeah. That would have been, um, it would have been like judo chopping limbs off and everything.
1: Trying to figure out what the story's about. Terry nation always, you know, the Daleks are an allegory for Nazis and, um, I think because this is 1979, I think this was kind of an allegory for the Cold War. But instead of nukes, the opposing sides are like one upping each other with like their battle computers and eventually with like arming themselves with different geniuses <laughs> and essentially creating um, mutually assured destruction.
0: That is point I didn't think of that.
1: But whether or not this was about anything at all, it is Terry Nation's final Doctor Who story.
0: You said the other guy was 95% of the the script writing, so Terry Nation had that other 5%?
1: No, Terry Nation gets all the credit for the script, but Douglas Adams was the script editor. Just like, you know, right now Chris Chibnall runs the show... So if you write a script, he's going to make a whole bunch of changes to make it like fit his season or to make it something that's shootable for television under their budget, because that's just how television works. But in this case, the director is saying like a lot of what we did was Douglas Adams.
0: Hmm. So back then, were they editing scripts to fit an arc for a season like they kind of do nowadays or no?
1: No, no. Not with with very few exceptions. I mean, they needed a scene where Romana regenerates. Like, the Terry Nation wouldn't have known to write that in because he didn't know the actor was going to change. And, you know, maybe he wrote... Maybe he would write, like, some fantastical location. And once the script comes in, it's like, well, we have to shoot this at this quarry. So this when when the doctor steps out and says look at all those trees or change that to look at all those rocks (laughs) or whatever (laughs) okay are you fitted to your budget or what you can build or how many actors you can have like if you only have a budget for three speaking roles then you know those four that fourth person their lines have to be spread out among the other people stuff like like logistical things
0: Hmm. cool Oh, that's that's pretty neat. This is this is Terry Nation's last one, you said, right? Yeah.
1: So I was just listening to the Strangers in Space podcast this week and they were talking about Terry Nation a bit. Well, specifically they were talking about Blake 7, which is a 80s sci-fi show from in the UK. I don't know if it's on BBC or ITV, but uh it's coming to BritBox any day now. It might be on there now. But it, john nathan turner who ran doctor who in the 80s wanted like fresh faces fresh names fresh writers fresh directors so all the best doctor who writers and directors they all went to blake seven and turned that into like the most popular show and terry nation was one of those people
0: well i want to give props to terry nation because this episode or this story felt fresh like we give him shit about writing the same thing over and over again but this one felt good like it was it was great
1: yeah and this dvd because it is his last has a documentary on it called terror nation and it's all about terry nation's career and especially his time with doctor who and not just his dalek episodes he wrote a couple other ones that didn't have the daleks
0: that's such a good segment name terror nation <laughs> well
1: that came from um Got him blanking on his name, but the guy who voices the Daleks now, he remembered growing up and his mom, like he would, before he ever saw a Dalek episode, he read all these Dalek books and they would always say, like, from the mind of Terry Nation. And then when he saw an episode that said, written by Terry Nation, he was so excited. And like his mom misheard him and said, Terror Nation. And so, like, he made this documentary for the DVD. That's awesome.
0: That's so cool
1: uh you got a favorite line
0: uh oh look rocks because <laughs> we always joke about
1: quarries i have right after the super quiet and slow fight between the slaves and the Mavellans on the Mavellan ship um the doctor going like he's gonna go to davros and he's looking at all the the battle the fight around him and he goes one, two, three, four, five. I'll go alone. Ask me why. And the guy says why. And he goes because they're unconscious, <laughs> like the the people he just counted. Nice. I just
0: love that line. Do you have a MVP? I kind of want to go with um. Shit, what was his name? Uh, the the slave guy that was helping them, just because he was deaf. Like I'm still blown away. <laughs> Tim Barlow Tyson. Yeah, that guy, that actor, real good. I'm going
1: to go with Tom Baker for a very specific reason. And this is something brought up by the director on the DVD is that. One of the things Tom Baker is amazing at is continuity. So like it's always jarring in these classic who's when they're like out in a quarry and they're running around and then they like duck behind something and all of a sudden they're shooting in a studio And like, it looks very different and the energy is different, but you're supposed to believe it's like the same place. Yeah. Even though outside a shot on film, inside a shot on video. But one thing the doctor or one thing the director praised about Tom Baker, which I really noticed in this, is how good he is at having continuity in his character between the end of one of those scenes and the beginning of the next one, even though they might shoot him weeks apart because they're going to go out to the quarry and shoot all the quarry scenes all at once and then go into the studio and finish. And so, like, when he's running out in the quarry and then ducks into the Mavellon ship and then pops in, he has exactly the same energy and motivation. And then you contrast that with Peter Davison, the fifth doctor, who has said many times in public that it, it was so hard for him to keep track of stuff like that that he just had his energy be exactly the same at the beginning and end of every scene he ever shot so that he didn't have to worry about it. <laughs> and he gets a lot of shit for it.
0: That's that's a good point. Like, I didn't even notice the differences between shooting on on a, on a set versus, like, out in the world. And that, right. Yeah, that's a good, good point.
1: And it's, you know, that takes work because you have to... You're pouring over the script and they're shooting so much and making notes, rehearsing, making sure that you know exactly where your character is motivation wise in every scene, even though you're shooting all over the place. And Tom Baker doesn't often get like the most kudos for being like a really good actor because he didn't have a huge career outside of Doctor Who. Like he did stuff and he's Tom fucking Baker, but... He, you know, Peter Davison has had a very long and great career as an actor outside of Doctor Who, even though I wouldn't call him one of the better Doctor Who's. Yeah. So here's to you, Mr. Baker, you know, everyone's favorite doctor who definitely doesn't need to get blown (laughs) by me. Well, I do have some fun facts here that I didn't get to just in conversation. So I just want to kind of read them off. Uh, the Davros mask that David Gooderson wears is the same one that they made for Michael Wisher for Genesis of the Daleks. It was too small for him, so you can notice like a stiffness to Davros's mouth when he's talking. Does
0: that mean it was too small? Or? It was too small. Yeah, I, I did notice it was. It was almost like a puppet talking. It yeah. was weird.
1: Yeah, it looked like his lips didn't match his voice sometimes. Um, the three potential Romana bodies were played by Yvonne Gallagher, Lee Richards, and Maggie Armitage. Uh, the pink costume that Romana wore was worn again by Lala Ward in her infamous Doctor Who Meets His Match TV commercials for Prime Computers of Australia, which ended with the Doctor proposing marriage to her. I wanted to bring this up because I think it's fascinating that fictional characters could go on TV to advertise stuff like on commercials. Oh, yeah. You just get someone from a TV show and be like, oh, Drake Pepsi or whatever. And then, of course, the uh, the Pertwee thing that surfaced last year. Uh, what do you think of the music in this one?
0: Um, I guess I didn't really notice it being bad or good. So you want to know
1: why? Great. Because this is the least scored story in all of Dudley Simpson's time as the incidental music composer no episode has more than 90 seconds of music and episode four doesn't have any at all.
0: Wow. Okay. I guess I could see that. Like I'm, I'm thinking back now to when they're just running over dunes of sand and there's just nothing.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and then the whole time they're in the ship, there's always like ship background noise. Um. Let's see. According to our IMDb, Lola Ward has an act in film or television since she did a TV movie called Riviera in 1987. So like eight years after this, she was just done. But uh, she has been, she has reprised her role of Romana in over 90 big Finnish audio dramas. Primarily in a spin-off series they have called Gallifrey. Because at some point in canon, Romana becomes the president.
0: Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Did they tell the doctor?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think it comes up in the show. Like, I I can't remember. When when Romana leaves, I think it's to go be the president.
0: Oh, really? That's that's pretty neat.
1: Yeah. Let's see. Tony Osoba played Lan. I don't know who that was. It was one of the Mavellans. Uh, we talked about him very recently because he played Duke in Kill the Moon. So... This was Destiny of the Daleks. Where where you thinking you'd place it in your rankings of all the Dalek episodes we've seen so far?
0: Probably like mid mid to... Ah, solid mid. I'll, I'll say solid mid. Just because I, I did <laughs> like the couple a lot.
1: I think you say in the middle for every episode. They can't all be in the middle.
0: Yeah, but this one's in the middle now that I've seen it.
1: <laughs> okay, what's your favorite?
0: My favorite is still Genesis. Like, that okay. one's just good.
1: What's your least favorite?
0: Why well, you gotta ask hard question. <laughs>
1: my favorite is Dalek Invasion of Earth. My least favorite's Power of the Daleks. Don't hate me, everyone in the world.
0: I did enjoy Power of the Daleks, but I don't think it's my least favorite. Well, then
1: like the Pertwee one where the Daleks are not really in it and they're kind of shoehorned into the story. Like, I don't like it as a Dalek story, but I love it because it's dumb and it's just Pertwee and Katie Manning running around on a rice paddy bike, which is just the best.
0: Probably be my least favorite Dalek (laughs) Dalek, because it's not really Dalek. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: probably it. Well, when we're done, we will do a proper ranking. You will be expected to. Maybe, oh, no. maybe we'll see if we can get some listeners to rank them, too, and we can go through them. But we have three left, and I today added two more because today I received my Blu-ray copies of the two Peter Cushing Dalek films, which we will be watching.
0: I guess I'm excited.
1: And we're going to start pumping these out. We're going to go fast and furious so we can get through this bullshit and start the next thing. Yeah, because, man, we've watched a lot of Dalek stories. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the next one is, well, the next story to feature the Daleks is The Five Doctors, which is three years later. But we've already watched that one. You can listen to that in our archives. And it's not really a Dalek story. But the next proper Dalek story is Resurrection of the Daleks from 1984. So like four and a half years later. It's a fifth Doctor story with Tegan and Turlow, A group, a threesome that you already know, Alex, because we did Enlightenment. So it's that same TARDIS team. And it's two 45-minute episodes. Nice. So we will be back for that Alex start the song this has been brothers to who's episode on destiny the Daleks please do go listen to our married to who our regular podcast where we're going through all of new who with a bunch of people who've never seen it before right now we're about to do right now we're in the middle of the girl who died woman who lived two parter From there, we'll be going through the rest of season nine. And we're getting pretty close to all the good stuff. I'm half myself, Jake, and my brother Alex. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Resurrection of the Daleks.
0: (laughs)